everybody, and welcome back to the regularly scheduled Pink Bike Podcast. So the last month has been a little hectic with field tests and a bunch of travel and this little bike festival thing called Crankworks and Whistler that you may or may not have heard about. So we've definitely missed a few Pink Pods over the last three or four weeks, but we're back. And I've got Casimir, Alicia, and this guy named Henry Quinney, who I haven't seen in years, it feels like. First off, hello, Henry. How the heck are you? And I assume you watched all the Crankworks events live, right? Hello. Yeah, I mean, I'm very well, thank you. It's great to see everyone. Um, yeah, I'm like, okay, so I think I've got different experiences of Crankworks compared to maybe other people. First of all, I've worked one, and what happens when you work at Crankworks is the rider demands that 17 bikes are prepared and ready to be raced. So you work 19 hours a day to get all these bikes ready. And then once it actually comes to racing, everyone says, oh my God, it's glad we're glad that it's just fun and it's not serious. And you're there like, you're fucking kidding me. You better take it seriously. <laughs> that's the mechanic and, um, perspective, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's a mechanic perspective. And then, listen, I there are some things in life I find very interesting. And the things that I really like watching I, I love watching mountain bike racing but for me you know slope style etc is just a cold calculated objectifiable look at what is meant to be like to me like an abstract expression of just having fun on the bike and it's just the most tedious thing like oh they've done 17 flippy spins rotunda leg curls I don't give a shit I just find it, honestly I find it mind-numbingly boring I th- I think that's pretty wild because you're probably not you're not probably not the only person to say that, but it's it's wild that these guys can be doing this crazy shit, and some of us look at it and we're like, "Huh, look at that." Anyways, yeah, but in they, person, they do race these things. It's absolutely in ridiculous. Person. No, it's not. Go, you go. Yeah, it is. We were just there. It's ridiculous. The things, yeah, I'm not gonna let you take this one. Yeah, I'm gonna stop on this a little bit. I'm not gonna let you take the floor because you yeah. can talk fast. Honestly, man, no, dude, like, it's so amazing. Cool. I, I just, yeah, I just. You should watch. I just go away. Calvin like, Calvin yeah, Huff just came out with a little video. It's like he took 44 seconds of slope style footage and slowed it down to five minutes. If you watch that and then say that what these people are doing isn't impressive, I don't know. It's it's cool. I don't follow it. Like I don't. Oh no, it is very impressive. Yeah, it's that's very what it's impressive. For. It's a spectacle. It's just a but show. Ballroom tango is impressive. It doesn't. No, mean it's ballroom tango is not impressive. It's just loads of grimacing and angular movements to 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 show what to show to get a score. Yeah, it's but I can learn how to tango. I can't learn how well, to backflip. Like, I've worked on those. Like I think events that is and, interesting, though. Like that's what makes it interesting. People have figured out how to do this shit. Just like, can you wrap your head around what it would feel like to be able to do that? I cannot. And like, that's what makes it so crazy. It's so cool. Like I get all stoked if I get my bike a little bit sideways on a jump. And then just imagine like you're doing that and 360ing and tail whipping your bike twice during that time. And you're like, wow, that is something. But Alicia, there are a few tenants of mountain biking that I'm able to talk about through genuine experience because I can't do most things. So even when I see a mountain bike race, I'm like, wow, I wish I could do that. Like, I can't do most things. And I'm about embracing my limitations. So the world is well, you could, you could you enter a race and go down. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should all take a slope style class. <laughs> you first. You go first. I'll mic first. Mike, you at slope style. We could slope style up, but it's gonna be like oh, one hand. Chaz, you would you would destroy me. Our sweet one handers. Yeah, one hander versus turn bar. It'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so obviously Kaz and Alicia are also here today with us, and they were both at Crankworks as well. Alicia. I want to talk to you first. Aside from petting all the dogs and doing all the A-line laps, what was your Crankworks highlight? What were you most stoked about during the week? 
Oh, man. You already mentioned it. I was the, the dog petter the, to keep the dogs happy while you took pictures of them. And that was an excellent job. Yep. Really enjoyed that part. Honestly, I was just seeing everyone, catching up with everyone. And it's been a while. This is actually my first Pink Bike Crankworks, but I've been to a few Crankworks events before. Um, and it's always great to just be part of it and wander around, say hi to people. You can't walk anywhere without running into like 12 people you need to talk to, which is good and bad, bad if you're on a mission, but pretty fun to just be part of the mountain bike scene for the first time in what feels like forever for me. Do you know how many A-line laps you did oh my during God, the week? So did many. you keep track? Yeah, I came into it. <laughs> um, okay, brief description of my, my Whistler progression. I've only ever been there to race the EWS before, and I've only ever basically ridden Whistler Tech Trails, and this week I discovered the whole like bro laps on A-line and Dirt Merchant, and those became the only two trails. It was amazing. It's a whole new world out there. Flow trails, guys. <laughs> it's a fun world, isn't I it? I talk shit about flow trails, <laughs> but that pull was park really rat. fun. I'm just yeah. going to live out the rest of my life on a downhill bike, erasing the brake bumps. <laughs> All right. So this is when we usually dig into last week's news. But since last week was pretty much just Crankworks and some more Crankworks, I think we're going to just talk about Crankworks instead, especially as this was the first one in three years. And I think a lot of mountain bikers, as Alicia said, were just pretty damn stoked to see it back and be hanging out and riding with everybody, especially Casimir. Kaz, I know you were super pumped to be back at the Longhorn and Buffalo Bills. How was your Crank Week? I did have a dance party one night underground, so I, I did did do dancing. Uh-huh. Um, no, <laughs> oh, it was I a good week. I could see you dance. It we was danced. pretty good. It was good. <laughs> yeah. I saw Cass dance. Yeah, Alicia was, was there too. Was it good, though? <laughs> I think it, in my mind, it was excellent. good. We held it down. Pretty excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, it was it was good. Like, it's obviously, I'm more of an introvert and lots of people, loud noises isn't my thing. But if you kind of embrace it, Crankworks can be really fun. Like, it's it's like a full circus. It's chaotic and wild. But then if you just go, I don't know, a few hundred yards into the woods, it's pretty quiet and there's not that many people there. So it's kind of a nice balance. Uh, yeah, did a ton of riding, Goat's Gully all day to Dirt Merchant because that's the best. And yeah, it was a good week and saw some new things and made some plans and stuff for the for future product testing and stuff. So pretty productive. Did some racing. Was it as busy as you expected? Not really. Like it was busy. Like it was definitely felt like a crankworks, but it wasn't as busy as I've seen in years past. But uh, I think that's, you know, first year back. But it was kind of nice. It wasn't like full, full chaos. It was like medium chaos. So it seems like a good way yeah. to start back again. I looked up some attendance numbers and the most recent numbers were obviously in, in 2019. And crankworks said there were 35,000 people lining the joyride course insane That's do you think there was something similar this year i'm not bad at counting but there's definitely a lot of, like slope style day there was definitely a ton of people like looking up you could just see people were so packed in on the course so yeah i mean it looked like good attendance i'd say yeah and i think the the most important thing to note is that both you and alicia raced the ews we did so, Kaz, i want to talk to you first how did that go Went pretty well. Yeah. Like I didn't, I felt a little sloppy. My first, there's five stages on the day. And so my first two were like a little slow. I took some lines that were weird and not where I meant to go, but, um, by the longer stages and towards the end, I felt pretty good. So yeah, it was fun. It was like a, a long day, but not like, it wasn't crazy hard. It was just kind of hot. And you had some of the transfers were sort of just grinding or pushing up fire roads in the sun. So that's not the most enjoyable thing, but the tracks themselves were so good. Where did you finish? What was your result? Um, I didn't beat Jesse Melmid, so unfortunately, oh come yeah, on, got beat by Jesse and Richie this time. So it was pretty hard. 
So where did you finish? Well, I got seventh out of like the old man category. Seven. Seventh, yeah. <laughs> out of how many? Seven? 10, oh, no, 30? I don't know. Like 30 something, 40. I don't really know. Yeah. That's pretty good. Did you crash at all? No, I crashed in practice pretty hard, but it was fine. And then uh, I didn't crash at all on race day, which is kind of one of my goals. So it's good. Yeah. yeah, get it out of the way in practice. What bike did you race on? Uh, I used the new Nomad. And that was a, it felt like a good bike oh. for it. Yeah, but and? more travel. Yeah, more travel is works well. It's solid, goes fast. So it felt, felt good. This is like getting blood from a stone cast. Tell me about your race. I, well, I mean, did you have any mechanical? No, what it was like happened? just it went. I just like took my bike and then I went as fast as I could down the hill and I beat some people and some people beat me and then that was it. It was just a race. Yeah, but it okay. is cool. Like, it, the, what, I mean, was, what was your favorite stage? Yeah, ride don't slide. It's like almost ten minutes long for me. I think yeah. Richie did it in like six minutes, but not really, but close to it. Um, but yeah, ride don't slide is a long stage, so you're just like going and going. And kind of when you think it should be done, it keeps going longer. And I like that. I, I like the longer stages. It just gives me time yeah. to kind of like get in the groove. The shorter ones are hard for me, at least. Yeah, this dynamic is like hearing a mother try and get her sixteen year old son to talk about going to the mall with a girl. Did you have a nice time? Yeah, we went to the <laughs> and what did you do at the mall? Yeah, we, discussed. we went to the fucking mall, mom. What else do you want? <laughs> yeah, how was school today? Fine. Yeah, <laughs> no, I had a good time. Like, what would you learn? Yeah, yeah, but no, Alicia, you Alicia did. Alicia, yeah, you also did the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did it go for you? What was your favorite stage? Was it ride don't slide uh, as well? No, it wasn't. Ride don't slide was my favorite in the practice. Actually, also, I feel like it's important to specify this EWS one hundred, not EWS. Uh, just little side note there, oh. different thing. Um, yeah. yeah, but same trails same though. Trails. We should say that. Yeah, we absolutely. Same, trails same course. The pros. Everything was good. Going into it was a little. So what was different then between the pros and your guys's race? Um, well, some of us were joking we were doing EWS two hundred because it was back to back with the practice day. It was like two six thousand foot days back to back, which felt a little bit tiring. But just yeah. A bit. Otherwise, the main thing yeah. is you don't need points to qualify for this one which is pretty great considering, you know, I haven't raced in a couple of years and lost all my points. So a little bit of a brain game for me going into this one because I just haven't raced in a couple of years and actually used to do some EWS races. So a little bit of me versus me, me versus past me that doesn't exist anymore going on there. But I had a great time. My favorite was stage three. It was another long one, long and technical and really no flow. Um, And so I hated it in practice just because I thought it would be really really tough to race and i actually had so much fun it was a suffer fest but in a way that felt really satisfying to just kind of keep pushing down the stage this episode is sponsored by yakima look in your rearview mirror is your bike still there are those bungee cords still holding zip ties failed yet yakima has got your back with a rack for all your snacks and packs to get you to that loamy single track no whack one bike two bikes three bikes four Bring your friends and even more. Check out our newest bike racks, Stage 2 and Hang Tight at Yakima.com. Through July, get 20% off using promo code PINKBIKE at checkout. Alicia, as somebody that has raced EWS, before maybe the, the format changed slightly to enable these EWS 180 to un, you know alongside the main event, do you think that the mass participation element has compromised what the EWS can be at an elite level, because that's a criticism that does get leveled a lot um, in terms of the route planning and in terms of the general weekend's layout. Do you think it should be about your average Joes 
like us and your slightly above average Joes like you guys being able to turn up and race the same course if it compromises what is meant to be an elite level sport? I don't personally think so, just because the courses were still pretty stout. Like this wasn't, the 100 course didn't feel dumbed down from the really AWS courses I've raced in the past. There weren't any things though that really like stood out to me as super technical or really truly challenging. It was all just medium challenging the whole time over a really long day and really physical day. And I think that's how it should be. I think that's what enduro racing is. I think it's like pretty technical, pretty physical, nothing like ultra crazy free ride, but still it's going to challenge most people out there. But there's a, I mean, there's a conversation, at least the conversations maybe I speak to in terms of the World Cup circuit, where a lot of these riders, World Cup riders, used to go ride the EWS for fun. And now they think the, the tracks aren't good enough and they, and they don't bother turning up. A um, good example would be someone like, well, maybe I won't name names, but there are notable examples of decent World Cup level riders who used to race every single EWS of the calendar. And now they just don't see the point. Because I think of it as 10 years ago, we had this crazy event where each format of the weekend would depend on the terrain and the you know what what they had available to them the infrastructure they had available to them and so sometimes it would be literally like two four thousand meter days of racing blind trails and that's what it would be and you would accept that you wouldn't get much um, coverage and it would basically just be timing sheets maybe and you could follow it live but coverage was very much at the back end of the priorities and now it feels like we basically get the same thing the coverage isn't necessarily because it's so hard to cover anyway but we basically get five downhill stages in the same day and i'd know part of me wishes it actually go back to just sending a load of elite level riders to a very inhospitable mountain with blind trails and just have at it but now it's like you get locals have so much um like especially EW, like ews and whistler there are some people there that have ridden those trails so many times and how can that i don't know the old format just seems so much rawer to me well, I, for any world cup downhill racer that's not doing ews because they think it's easy I'd say they're full of shit. Like the courses haven't gotten dumbed down. The format may have changed where you don't get as many two day races, but like the ride don't slide and, um, microclimate and all those, those have been in Whistler EWS races in the past. And they're, they're hard trails. Like, you know, Alicia's saying they're not insanely gnarly, but they are for most people, most mountain bikers in the world, they're going to be a challenging, like solid black diamond trail. If you want to use that terminology. And so racing them is challenging. I don't think that I don't think that they've gotten dumbed down anyways. Like I've been doing EWS Whistler for a while. Like I've done a handful of them and they're always hard. So I don't think that that's what's happened. I think maybe the days have changed, but and adapted, but I don't think the actual like track and terrain has turned into like a mellow, like we're definitely not cross country racing out there. I would agree with that. I think the courses are still extremely, extremely difficult. And of course get more difficult. The more fit you are, the more harder you're pushing, the faster you're able to go. I just said more harder. Let's forget I said that. Um, but yeah, I think the one thing that has become a little formulaic is the format with the prologue stage the first day and the full like big day the second day. And I kind of wish that it wasn't such a cookie cutter thing. Like It was kind of nice when there were some two-day races, some one-day races, a lot of variety and just how they did shape the format to the terrain and to where they were and the schedule and all that. But yeah, I think the pendulum just swings because for a few years there, people were talking about how the courses were too hard. There was, I believe in, uh, I want to say it was Latouille that was insanely fucked up a few years ago. 
And then like similar, just a few courses that people were wrecking on constantly, really struggling to finish, taking out just so many of the top competitors. And people were saying that it was just too hard and that making it hard for the sake of hard didn't make sense. So I think it has swung back just a little bit in this direction of now the courses are actually raceable by the top athletes. And I believe that's a good thing. We'll see where it settles in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, I want to just point out, I'm not somebody that is all doom and gloom about what, you know, discovery and stuff are, are doing within the sport, because I think in some ways, the, the things that maybe, the things that have changed the EWS will actually probably shore up downhill in a way, um, kind of, I think maybe being prepared to shake things up. I, I, I'm not someone that is all peaches and cream with everything that's happened in downhill because it feels like a couple of years ago we were saying how frustrating Red Bull TV is now that it's going to go we're like oh my god please it, it was it was the best days ever when actually I think to do, things do need shaking up there's so much that needs to change um but I know I guess I just I find it interesting and uh and I, I, I wondered I'm as someone that would find those courses challenging it's not, I hope it's not coming across me saying that they should be harder because fuck I'd I'd find them really challenging and engaging but I do find it interesting like what is the pinnacle of the sport and for me and my ideals of what racing should be, I think it is so much more interesting to do something that is very different to downhill and offering something, a real alternative, such as like that Stone King rally that Kaz did, you know, just some crazy, wildly different experience to bring out a different set of skills, I suppose. Henry, I feel like your thoughts kind of, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like they boil down to participation versus watching the best racers in the world take chances on gnarly terrain, you know, like... And I think a lot of people would say that enduro racing is about participation and, and getting a bunch of people out there, you know, like spirit of enduro and and all, and, all, and all those things. Whereas, I mean, I sort of agree with you, like the top end racing, like they, I, they definitely need all sorts of other like regular Joes and amateurs to race these events, I think, to make them happen. But at the other hand, like when I'm watching any racing, whether it's bike racing or car racing or motorbike racing or whatever, I do want to watch like the best in the world ride the sketchiest stuff or the the, the most difficult terrain in the world. Is that kind of what you're what you're getting well, at? Like yeah, that I mean, participation for everybody you know, versus pro only. You know, my maxim in life is to never give people what they want. You know, that's a big. <laughs> <laughs> and I do worry that you know if you compromise it to give to give you know an accessibility side and don't worry it probably helped it probably puts the overall race series in far better health because they're getting revenue from lots of people buying tickets you know but we come back to slope style yeah. that god-awful travesty of tedium and if they made everything rollers so everyone could ride it <laughs> but they were going to sell it so tickets. angry right now listening to henry talk <laughs> <laughs> just but, i just um, i cannot I wait for these I comments think, <laughs> i think i'm right i'm gonna say the i trust my gut i think i'm right on this but like yeah. I just, okay. it's not that I would rather see how to put this. I'm not saying that the EWS needs to not be available for the 80 and the 100, but I think it needs to, in my opinion, it's now, it's in a, it's between a rock and a hard place. It's not giving courage people that people expect from a well-formatted race weekend, but also it's not appeasing the kind of more core audience that wants to just hear about the race and accept they're not going to get coverage, but they're going to go ride, you know, 1500 meter drops time and time again in the Alps. And so it's neither one thing nor the other. And I don't know if that will change as the coverage gets better. Maybe it'll appease people like me who are just infinitely hard to please and just, you know, just difficult in every regard. But I, I would love to see 
something it go either way either the coverage gets better always accept that it can't be well covered and just go people going crazy stages riding blind doing it in the, the really gnarly sport that it used to be like you know 10 years ago yeah i think i agree i would like ago. to see some i think i agree i would like to see some gnarlier stages and crazy stuff some blind stuff once in a while i agree with you on that front and i also i could see if your argument, I don't really know if you're arguing for or against EWS 180, but I'm not sure I'm fully in favor of the mass participation, everyone can qualify, that sort of event being combined with EWS. I do think there's a place to reserve EWS for just the elite, just like World Cup downhill, and have to qualify. But for that to happen, we really, really need to strengthen regional and national race series events, and I haven't seen that happen yet. I think they were trying to do that a few years ago with a lot of the EWS qualifiers and like that was kind of what you did before you got into EWS. That was really good. It seems like those have sort of taken a step back, partly due to this whole like, you know, pandemic and racing stopping thing, but also because of the changing EWS format. I don't really know what the answer is. Well, I think in response to your question, I would say, does the EWS AT100 make great swathes of people very happy? Yes, then it's probably a bad thing. It should be stopped immediately. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I had fun, just saying. I, I had fun too. Fun. It was weird though. <laughs> Levy. Yeah, yeah, Alicia got a medal. We didn't think she guys. won. Oh, Whoa. shit. You did win, didn't you, Alicia? Yeah. <laughs> she's so casual about it. Yeah. Like, she's going red right now. If everybody could <laughs> yeah. see her on camera, she's going very red. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. Alicia. It was fun. I had a good time. Um, I'm turning my video off. I do want to. I do want to say <laughs> that. Watch. She actually did just turn her video off. <laughs> I do want to say that watching any of these pro racers, like I could watch Jesse rail corners on a flat piece of pavement for three hours, and I think I'd be pretty entertained. Like these guys, I know it's amazing to see them and see them ride like super gnarly sketchy things and all this stuff but it doesn't have to be incredibly rowdy terrain if you look at the coverage that's coming out of burke right now there doesn't seem to be a lot of vertical there that you know but i mean have you seen them go around those corners it's ridiculous yeah there isn't a lot of vertical but what there is is a really good a really good place to have an ews 18 and ews 100 <laughs> yeah I don't know. Am I, I don't know. Like, like I just, I feel like, no, nah, like, like I'm going to, I want to disagree. I'm going to, yeah, it's a sweet place. Kaz, Burke's good too. Go I've written on. in Vermont. It's good. And that's, yeah. But like, on, I don't, I don't care if the EWS 80 and 100, it, it doesn't have to be on the same weekend. Like you could still use the same tracks. Like there's no, like Levy, if you were able to somehow drive your car on the F1 course, I know it's way different and all that, but if you had the access and one weekend you could go and like ride the same course, wouldn't you want to? Yeah. So, like, obviously. Yeah, so even if it wasn't the same race weekend, it was a different time. What's the point? That's exactly my point. It's so I could fucking go around in my Dodge Caravan. Doesn't mean you should just disrupt the weekend of Formula One racing by being like, so guys, qualifying is now completely No, it's a different weekend. So Henry can still go in up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, like, you could just have it at different times. Like, I don't think they don't necessarily need to be on the same weekend. Like, EWS could be its own thing, and then at a different point during the year, you could have the 80 and the 100 race. Like, yeah, I don't think it I mean, needs to be I, the same I, I agree. Thing. I, I think, think if you're going to do that, that's a great solution. Like, it just seems fucking mad to me that we have a an EWS race. It's got like a big, like um, I'm going to call it a North Shore step down, which everyone's going to cringe at. 
but a big fucking sender into a huge uphill. And it's like, just fucking send them somewhere they've never been before. Do something crazy. Yeah, but that was only... But here, that, that goes against send. your point, Henry. Why does it go against That goes point? against your point, because that was only open point for is. the pros. I can't, I, I'm not being clear enough to have a point. <laughs> I, I, I just want to interrupt and say the guy who's disagreeing with everybody about this didn't race in the Enduro and wasn't here for the weekend. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> for Crank Although, Week. <laughs> to be I fair, I, I looked for you, Levy, at the start line. I don't either. Yeah. But I was looking for Levy at the start line, and you weren't there. What happened to our Mike versus Mike? He no, was racing the Leadville. I was looking no, for you. I, I was it. I was sad and lonely, just walking you- <laughs> up the stages, like where's Levy, and you weren't there. Well, that's you didn't see me because you were walking and I was pedaling. That's the thing. I was. I was just looking ahead hard. Of you. To, uh, I didn't notice. You. I looked on the results too. Maybe you have a different name. That must be it. You know, Kaz. I I briefly thought it would be fun for me to do this enduro race with Kaz, <laughs> and then I thought about it more for a few minutes, and and I realized I would definitely blow up. I would definitely crash and hurt myself. And it wouldn't go well. But Possibly, yeah. Maybe next year, Kaz. All maybe right. next year. All right. I tried. And then I did the it, pump track too. The kid's pump track on the Grim Donut. Also how was the Grim Donut? On the it's pump still track. really long and slack. Uh, I didn't yeah. win. I got mid-pack. Mid-pack. Yeah, George Brannigan won. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's fast. No surprises there. Yeah. 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 Okay, should we, should we talk about the slope style a little bit? And Henry, we're going to keep this positive. Yeah. I'll, I just, I'll be quiet. Okay. I'll just be quiet. I know my place. <laughs> so I may or may not have been out on a bicycle ride on curly bars during Joyride. <laughs> of course Kaz you were. Shit, you guys of course were there. you were. Because it's <laughs> fucking dull. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like the absent. It goes I, back to the yeah. parenting metaphor. You're like, I'm sure little Timmy's assembly uh, fucking presentation was great. He was yellow in the rainbow. I didn't go because it was tedium as shit. I'm glad other people did. Like, of course you didn't go. Yeah. No one wants well, to go. Know, I didn't go because I just wanted to watch the replay and I could see everything better on the replay. Yeah. And then but, I could right. see it for like, it's like a 20 minute replay. I could see all the action, you but know, compare, it makes sense to compare me. the audience to and something Alicia, like cross country. It's fucking, they're not even there. Yeah. And there are only like 10 people in the world that do it. It's anyway, so I'm going to shut up. It's cool. Cause there are only 10 people I'd rather watch cross or watch slope style than cross country. Yeah. I'd rather watch but cross country. Most people wouldn't. Most people would rather watch. I mean, no. you talk about thirty-five thousand people, like forty thousand people turn up to Lenzerheide just to watch cross country. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that's they haven't like had the, the slope style denomination yet. of quality. <laughs> well, that hey, is as that, soon that is as Nino enters a slope style, I'll be there watching. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is how we can. Yeah, we'll make the cross country people do slope style and be the best of both worlds, and we all set. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the slope style people do cross country. Oh, that'd be oh, good that too. would be interesting <laughs> on their slope bikes. They have to do it on their slope bikes in their slope outfit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just I want to shout out the return of baggy on. pants. Uh, baggy pants played a <sighs> a big role this week. It was kind of cool to see. Did you see Fedco's pants? The kid is bringing back style. Oh, yeah, they're, they're coming no. back. Yeah. yeah. The 90s are back. I was Whistler was a good time to know. Like, Danny what, Beer is leading the charge. He is, for sure. We met Matt Beer's rollerblading brother, and it was amazing. Professional rollerblading brother. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. He has a pro rollerblade model. Anyway. All right, we've gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so you guys were there watching the slope style in person. Can you tell me what it was like to see Thomas Lemoyne jump over that entire freaking platform? So exciting. Everyone lost their minds. It was such a cool moment. I think 
yeah, we were already so engaged. Like everyone was watching. Everyone was just waiting to see what he would do next. And then collectively, the whole crowd just lost their minds when he did that, especially the first time. Like we just we didn't know he was going to do it, even though the announcer mentioned that he had tried and crashed and practiced trying it. It just still was so incredible to watch what was kind of a small step on step off for most people become just a massive huck. Super raw, super kind of chaotic. It was cool. Can you imagine trying that jump, crashing, Kazimer, and then trying it again while 40,000 people were standing there watching you? <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Like, that, it's such a crazy, it's so blind. Like, I looked at it, the chairlift goes right over it. So, you know, when we got to Whistler, I was heading up for a lap and looked down. I was like, I bet somebody could trip, could double that thing like Timo Pritzel did years ago with bad results. But it did look like when, when they built <laughs> 2004. it. 2004. Yeah. When they built it, I'm sure they kind of thought like maybe someone could do what he did. But I can't imagine what it feels like because if you, you, I don't think he sees the landing until he's at the highest point of his jump. It's so blind because you're way back from the from clearing the wooden platform. So until you're like thirty feet in the air, you don't see the ground, and he's on a hard tail. Yeah, and then he did it a second time, Absolutely like we did three ridiculous. times. I guess he crashed his practice run, did it in his first run, and then the second time he cleaned it up and actually like landed on some transition instead of basically flat. I think we should talk about the lip too. Like there's essentially no lip. Because they built it as kind of a step-on, step-off. So the way it went was kind of a sharp angle up that flattened out, actually. So there was a transition to from steep to kind of flat before it got to the top. And then there was a flat top. So he actually rode up the steep part over the transition to where it flattened out. And then had to do what was probably just a massive pull from this tiny little edge that maybe sort of counted as a lip. But like it was what you'd find on a tiny roller in a green trail. Like not... A massive huck jump. Yeah, he had to he had to squish that he had to squish mm-hmm. the actual lip and then take off like six or seven feet mm-hmm. further. Kaz, I'm just picturing what would happen if we tried that. We would try to squish that lip. We wouldn't squish it. We would land at the end of the platform. Hopefully, our front wheel would still be you know would still <laughs> oh, be on God. the platform, and then we would probably flip over off the end. Absolutely yeah, oh, ridiculous. Sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's also worth noting that. A straight air looks like and sounded to me like it got the most cheers of the entire slope competition. Yeah, hey, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll say I'm going to give Henry, I'm going to concede a little bit to Henry that slope style is crazy to watch because you don't really know what they're doing. Like sometimes the announcers would be like, mm-hmm. oh, he just did a front flip triple bar spin. I was like, oh, really? I, I didn't like I didn't even see how many times the thing spun around or they're doing the level is gotten to such a crazy place that it is hard to process what's going on it's kind of it's a circus act you're just like these guys are doing things but i don't really know what they're doing um so when someone just hucks huge and does a giant straight air you're like oh i know what that is that's someone going massive and i like that so there is the disconnect between like video game like emil johansson's run is so perfect and so dodged like well that's he's gonna win but like to see someone just kind of like throw caution to the wind that's really easy to appreciate but also didn't decide to, you know, I know that obviously I am I am wrong in terms of how most people view this. I know I'm quite ardent and obviously there's an element where I'm just being devil's avocado. But like when you see someone like that, he's basically he's thinking outside the box and he's doing it just to see if, like, I don't know, I think he's doing it not for points, which makes it as a, as a spectator, as an audience, I think it makes it seem like a more worthwhile, engaging pursuit. But when it's just like, this is what's going to win the run, so this is what I'm going to do, to me, it automatically just feels hollow. Like, it just doesn't interest me at all. 
I know exactly why you like it because it's counterintuitive. Like it's against the grain. Like he's doing it mm. even though he knows he's not going to get all these points for it. He's doing it because he wants to do it. But it's like it's a it's like someone that isn't singing Pitch Perfect compared to pop music where everyone's auto tuned. You know, it's like it's very different. Like, do you want to hear like an interesting voice or the perfect voice? I'd rather have the interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I it just it just gets tricky to have. It's hard to have those elements in a slope style competition or like fest series or anything because the jumps are so big and the lips need to be so perfect for them to perform. There's not always a chance for them to do which is the crazy wild things. Like that's why rampage is cool, which, which, even though that which, gets what, sculpted which, too. What makes it dull? Like that's why it's that's why I think it's tedium because it doesn't actually give anyone any scope to do anything that you don't expect them to do. It's just like, oh, okay, this is what the perfect one is. Someone's going to try and do it. Someone does it. That's done. Like there's no actual any i don't know i don't know but it's easy for me to say because obviously i can't do it these guys are in, incredibly brave and composed and skilled and all that sort of stuff don't get me wrong but it lacks an element for me that you see like for instance in andorra with everyone pulling off that lip just in the massive sender and it just like that's something that somebody had to choose to do and you didn't even know if it was faster or not but it's all like a judgment and then loris actually squashed it and kept low as he hucked in his race run and for me, that's so much more exciting than seeing someone do a quadruple bar spin custard rhubarb split, whatever it's called. I don't know. And it was just like... That's a good one. I like it's that so much more exciting to that sounds tasty. <laughs> sounds delicious. Yeah. I think that's the same thing, though. I mean, you have riders making these decisions. They're weighing the weather, thinking about the wind, thinking about how they're feeling in the moment, trying to decide if what they think they can do in their mind is worth actually trying. And like half the riders crashed. And so it is such a judgment game mm. and trying to feel it out based on all the different variables happening at any given time and gut feeling and just going for it and whether they crashed the previous run, wh- who else is putting down good runs, where the point standings are. I think it's a game that's really interesting to watch. I, th- I suppose with Downhill as an example again, or with EWS, like those riders end up with such close finishing times and you find out after the fact what is the closest to perfection someone could achieve that day and you know it because the competitiveness of the field everyone gets such tight tight times and it's it's just amazing to watch with slope style the thing i don't like is there's something external i don't i don't like the fact it's judged i don't like the fact there's like an external rule book that people are trying to live by rather than just riding the bike in the the way that they think most suits the course if that makes any sense Henry, I think you should redirect this anger at slope style and put it towards speed and style. Because speed and style, I think it's really, oh, really dumb. Because then you combine speed with style and then it's the worst of everything. I've said this before, but that event can go away. Because that's really, really boring to watch. Because it's like, you don't even know what they're judging. Like, he won, but then he did a flippy spin. So now he maybe didn't. Like, yeah. I so disagree just because I don't think it's that serious, guys. It's all just different games that people are trying to play in order to like get them to compete against their own previous abilities. Like everyone's leveling up, everyone's finding these incentives to go faster and go bigger. And I think these sports are just like or these different categories of mountain biking are just venues for people to show that and people to incentivize themselves to do that. I don't know why any of it needs to go away. Like why why are we naysaying? It's cool. Yeah. All of it's I, cool. I, I think you're right. Except for speed and stuff. I think Crankworks serves a really good... <laughs> Crankworks and all its events, they serve as a really good vehicle for mass spectator viewership. I, that, I mean, it's an amazing week. It's a great day out, all that sort of stuff. But for me, 
it will never be the same as something like downhill or cross country or cyclocross or road because it's it caters so much to this the the audience of having it's hard to explain it just it all feels like an nfl halftime show and what happened to the football you know what i mean like getting so wrapped up and having fucking beyonce dancing around and then fucking i don't know the fucking weekend pops out of the floorboards and everyone can't quite believe it and it's so exciting but actually it's like what we're actually here to do we're here to watch a game of football sounds like a great you know party I mean? yeah that's way better than football oh no but it is yeah. it is but i'm just saying like i'm just saying that it for me it, it's too showy and it's i think as well i hate to say it but as a brit we don't deal with razzmatazz so well as the north americans <laughs> It sounds like an opinion of somebody who's spent years on the World Cup race circuit and is used to like rigid racing and like, you know, so and so won by 0.3 seconds. And no, it's 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 the product of of basically like not wanting like because I said, as soon as you attach a, a perfect conceptual run. I know it becomes it just becomes meaningless it's just objectifying it's like same with like you know same as the argument about the skateboard going to the Olympics it's like what was just a load of kids jumping off curbs and having a good time is now like oh but it's a science and it just for me it's like the antithesis of romance or genuine expression you know (laughs) there's not much romance yeah (laughs) there's no no romance on the slope course Henry I know (laughs) (laughs) all right Let's let's move on because we also tried some new stuff while we were at Crankworks. Uh, Alicia, you rode some new some new pedals and tires. Kaz, I don't know what the heck you rode. I rode the Supra drivetrain. Kaz, what did you ride? Did you test any new gear when you were there? Uh, new bikes? Did you ride anything did, exciting? Nothing too like. There were some things that I rode that don't come out for a little while. So it's, it was a funny Crankworks where we still have product timelines that are delayed. So there's a lot of stuff that comes out in the fall and later in the year. So. Um, they're like secret products, not that secret, but things just coming down later on. Um, so yeah, nothing like brand new that I wrote about. Um, so there'll be more tests and things in the future. A lot of it was kind of planning too. Like Crankworks is a great time to meet uh, people from different companies and kind of get an idea of what's coming out, coming down the road and then kind of plan mm-hmm. that out too. But, um, but we should talk about that drivetrain. How was that thing? I didn't get to ride that yet. The law bikes, super drivetrain. Yeah. yeah. It was surprisingly normal. I was... Um, well, you know, I like weird stuff and when something works perfectly, I mean, not that this worked absolutely perfectly, but when something just works, you know how it's harder to write about, you know, Kaz, like, it's like, oh, okay, well it didn't do anything wrong. And like, that was sort of the case with the Supra drivetrain. It, it looks really weird, really wild. It looks like it's nothing but trouble. All the chain, all the pulley wheels, um, weird looking mini derailleur, on a funny looking bike and it looks like the chain is going to bounce off just looking at it, you know? Um, but yeah, the thing shifted extremely well, extremely well. I was surprised. Yeah. Was it better than your just basic, like a GX cable actuated derailleur? Uh, I mean, if, if I didn't know that that drivetrain was underneath me on the bike I was riding, I probably wouldn't have thought it was any different to be honest. Um, it was maybe a little louder here and there, um, just like because of the idler pulley and there's so much chain and the chain is so close to the frame. He had a ton of rubber on the frame to, to help protect it. But I don't know, Kaz, like it worked. It just worked, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really interested to see where it goes. I'm not sold that, or I'm just, I'm not convinced that it's necessary, but I like that he's 
getting some takers and there's that Nikolai coming with it on it. So it's interesting, but I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to say negative things cause I'm so, I'd like small people to try different things, but I'm just afraid this is going to get ended yep. up in the gearbox realm where it's just kind of like a little side niche product that just kind of exists in that world and fades away in five yeah. years or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that there are some companies that are taking it pretty seriously. Um, but also it's way better than a gearbox Kaz. You and I, we've ridden gearbox bikes and they shift like shit and they weigh too much and there's too much friction. And there's a lot of very good reasons, despite what other people say, for why gearboxes aren't everywhere. Like they're not great. Yeah. This is definitely better than a gearbox. There's less drag. It shifts fast. You could shift under load. Um, but at the same time, there's no derailleur hanging down there. And I, I also think that while there's more chain and there's an idler, which, I mean, that does make it more complicated. It's also, I could argue that it's not more complicated. It's just that he's mixed, he's he's moved the clutch system to a, a different spot on the bike. The derailleur's in a different spot on the bike. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want to not like it almost. And I expected there to be trouble, but there wasn't. So yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it also has that gas charged cartridge inside the down tube too that i think people forget that that exists that like the tensioner yep so it is i, would, I would disagree when you say it's less complicated it's definitely more complicated than a current drivetrain okay i'll counter that though kaz how many clutches have we seen lately that are either they feel weak or they wear out um and then all of a sudden your bike's making a ton of noise but some of them most of them a lot of them aren't serviceable whereas this thing he says you can just slide it right out of the frame if it needs to be serviced. It weighs 100 grams, but he also says he's never had to service it at all. So if the clutch is more reliable, but it happens to be in the down tube and then around the bottom bracket, is I mean, is it more complicated if it's just in a different spot? I mean, I can go buy a clutch for like 25 bucks at the local store and fix it if I'm running oh, Shimano. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be yeah. the skeptic on this one, but I do. I don't want it to be the yeah. naysayer because I'm glad it exists. Like, it's really cool that he created a thing that works, that is gaining traction. Uh, I just think modern drivetrains are pretty good. And like with another little, the next little evolution, they're going to be really, really good. So um, we'll see. Like, Alicia, did you have any troubles with your derailleur getting smashed at all during the EWS race? Nope, I did not. I think I'm... Yeah, same here. Yeah, I don't really and, tend to have those problems. Yeah, me neither, to be honest. And I said that too. Like, I I think I've smashed one derailleur. I've destroyed one derailleur in the last, like, I don't know, four or five years or something like that. We live in a pretty rocky place. So, But there, as we know, there are a lot of people out there who are willing to put up with a gearbox. So if those people are willing to put up and spend money on a gearbox, Kaz, and this is better than a gearbox... Yeah, that's good. You know? Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to say it okay. shouldn't exist. Anyways, yeah, it's good. Let's move on. That's enough Crankworks. Let's chat about the best bikes for the apocalypse, which isn't something any of us are thinking about when we're testing bikes. But you never know, Kaz, when a massive solar flare or asteroid is going to hit us. Or maybe it's an EMP strike. Maybe it's zombies. Who knows? Either way, I think we should mentally prepare for not just surviving, but also still being able to shred because the apocalypse is probably going to be no fun. And that means getting out for a ride during the end of the world might be more important than ever. So let's set the scene first. In my end of the world scenario, I'm picturing a sort of like walking dead situation. Very few survivors of whatever happened. Definitely no electricity. And you're pretty much just looking for food, shelter and safety, everybody. But you still want to rail some corners, maybe send that big jump. So given that situation, what sort of things would you be looking for in a bike alicia 
What's the, what are the most important things? Dan, you kind of, uh, so you said no electricity and I, what immediately came to mind was that new transition e-bike with the removable e-bike stuff, just because I figure you mm -hmm. want to go fast and you want to go far, get away from zombies or whatever the fuck as much as you can until you've run out of electricity, which I figure will happen at some point, like in the coming days or weeks or months after the zombie apocalypse. Unless you have solar panels and shit, maybe you can continue to charge your e-bike. And like, I just see it as a getaway tool first and foremost, and then pull off the battery, all that stuff, and use it for riding some laps. Or ride it with the battery, you know, whatever, if you're so inclined. I think you could really combine the survival tool with the shred machine. And that seems like the easiest way do to you do think it. You, do you think you'd want that e-bike motor, though? Like, we're three years on from the apocalypse. Oh, three years on, absolutely not. No. Yeah. That's like my initial getaway Yeah, bike, I think... Trying to balance wanting to survive and also wanting to have a good time. But after the initial getaway, once we're trying to mm -hmm. settle in and, you know, survive, live off the land, kind of get into our flow with the post-apocalyptic scenario, I don't think an e-bike is the way to go. I think that's more of like an initial tactic. Yeah, for sure. Henry, uh, why would you choose a slope bike for your <laughs> your apocalypse survival machine? <laughs> I wouldn't choose a slope style bike, but I would choose something with probably you know equal commercial value in terms of you know its take up by the by the wider public. And I thought I kind of reverse engineered this, and I thought, what's a bike? how to put this that isn't good at anything else maybe it would come to come alive in the post post-apocalyptic world and so i thought you know how you get like quite nice italian road bike manufacturers that unaccountably make really bad 140 mil trail bikes yeah. <laughs> i'd go for like a pinarello 140 mil full suspension bike with a 69 degree head angle 150 mil lyric and it's got to be good at something. This is my logic. It's got to be good at something. It's clearly not what mountain biking is today, but maybe riding over, you know, the bodies of my friends as they get oh. zombified. Yeah. That's what it would be good at. It turns out that's what the Pinarello <laughs> are making it for. The Bianchi Super Zombie Pro. Well, I think that Pinarello still has a front derailleur as well. So it would be good for your, when you're loaded down with all your survival oh, supplies perfect. and stuff, right? I, I question I question your and Alicia's approach though. I think you'd want to go as simple as possible. I think you would want absolutely like no motor, no suspension, definitely no carbon. I don't know, Kaz? What do you what would what would be your what's on your priority list for, for bike features? I want that Trek stash, that twenty nine plus hardtail. That'd be a good zombie machine. Oh yeah. That thing was so fun. It's a hardtail, but it has a goofy big twenty nine inch wheels and like three inches wide or something or two eights. And then it has a, a fork, but I could just ride the fork until it stopped working and then it just have a rigid fork. Um, I think that'd be good. And I think he could run it. He could probably make it like a belt drive or something if you wanted it to be simple, yeah. single speed kind of thing. I think that'd be fun. And he could go everywhere and I, you know, I could rig up some sort of racks. I could like haul my supplies and things. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the rack thing. Yeah, that's what I would doing. almost go for like a cargo bike, like town bike in the zombie apocalypse world. It'd be very long. We just start to kind of get used to very you know, slow corners, not a lot of corners, but I think it'd be fun. And I think our standards for fun would really, really change, you know, once we watch all our friends get killed by zombies, all that stuff. And so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I definitely could Good learn point. how to trail ride and have fun on a cargo bike while also hauling around like, you know, whatever I'm using for sleeping and eating and the day-to-day -day life post-apocalypse. 
See, I go to trailer because that way you can leave your trailer oh, and go have smart. fun on your little slope style course and then go back to your stuff. Have you guys have you guys ever read the Zombie Survival Guide by Max Brooks? Or listened to the audiobook? I have not read or listened to it. No. Have you read this recently, Levy? And that's why we're talking <laughs> about this? Uh, I've read it I think six times and I've listened to the audiobook like I mean, all those trips down south, I've listened to the audiobook probably at least six times as well. I'm very very well What's versed. What's your biggest takeaway? Something I think about for many hours. For those every of day. us who've not read or What's listened that? to it, what are your key takeaways? Oh, the key takeaways, you gotta stay away from everybody. Stay away from everything. Your whole everything should be about avoiding conflict, avoiding running into people. Are we talking about zombie apocalypse um, or is this normal life? <laughs> well, that's also my normal life. Maybe I've... Okay, this is why you like gravel bikes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I've let that creep into my normal life a little bit too much, eh? <laughs> For me, I think I would choose... You're all going to roll your eyes, but I would choose a fat bike, 100%. The thing goes everywhere. And like Alicia said, I think when everybody's gone and there's like, you know... One tenth of the population left, if that, and all your friends are dead, all your family is dead, you're not going to be, you're not going to really care about like getting through those corners as fast as possible. Who cares? Fat bikes are fun and you could still go riding on them, but at the same time, they're not going to get bogged down by snow, uh, by really bad weather, by sand. You could ride it through like a ton of crap. So in, in my world, I'm on a rigid fat bike. That has some sort of solid tires. I don't know if they do those. They probably weigh a lot. Uh, and it would have rack and a trailer. And it would also have a silent clutch hub on it. Because obviously the zombies can hear you. So you don't want them to freaking follow you. You don't want to hear anybody to hear you. And then you'd have all your racks and everything on it. And all your crap. And that's how you would get around. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it seems good. Mine was almost a fat bike. I don't actually know if they still make that stash, but it was cool. But it was three inch tires, right? That's a fat bike ish. It's yeah. 29, 29 plus. Maybe it's two eight. Yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. bigger tires would be good to roll over all the debris from the apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing too, you need do to you be think, able to fix this thing with like very tires, basic tools. Do you think that bigger plus size tires will ever come back? Zombie apocalypse or not? It'll take an apocalypse from them to come back, I think. I mean, they're here right now. We just mm. we just call them something different, and they're like a tenth of an inch smaller. Yeah, we're all riding two like two sixes an anyway now. I think we're we've gotten yeah, to the I'm, point where no one would choose kind of flimsy two eights over like really nice two sixes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my tires are forty millimeters wide, so mine are a little skinnier. <laughs> <laughs> You're just riding plus road bikes right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, everybody, that's it for episode 138, our Crankworks wrap-up and apocalypse bike discussion. Now that we're back to our regularly scheduled programming and hopefully doing at least one or two of these podcasts every week, I would love to do another giant question and answer episode with a bunch of editors. So those are always fun. But to do that, I need you guys to put your questions and comments down below this podcast so we have some stuff to talk about for an hour or two. And also, what kind of bike setup would you want for the end of the world? fat bike would you want your slope bike are you going full enduro is it full enduro or nothing let us know in the comments below and we'll see you next week 